Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I would like to welcome you back to the Broken Vessels podcast. I'm so thankful that you've joined me today. And we have a little bit of a different episode today where we're going to actually talk about Christ in the Psalms and how that can bring us hope and healing in him and who he is for us. The Psalms have been a balm to my soul in very dark times. And those of us that have faced brokenness and struggled in the darkness, man, there is nothing better than the Psalms. To understand David writing a good portion of the Psalms, to think about the things he went through, the ups, the downs, the adversity, And for him to say the things he said, David was a preliminary to Jesus. (laughs) He was somebody who, uh, you know, we look at Christ and we see him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. David was the King of Israel, but David was a broken man. But Jesus, (laughs) he was the perfect man. And there was so much going on in the Psalms to help us to see a prophecy or a premonition of Christ and who he was and who he was going to be for us. And sometimes it's hard for us to understand when we look at the Psalms, whether we're to see ourselves fully in the Psalms or whether we need to look at the Psalms a little bit differently in the way that we apply it to ourselves. Well, I have a wonderful guest today. I'm so very thankful. We connected just a few weeks ago, and this is a brother that I got connected with on, again, the Theocast Facebook group, and a very good friend of ours, Brad Kafer, who is on Theology with the Broken Church that has been connected with this friend. And this is a guy that is in Wales. And is it Wales, England, or Wales, UK, brother? I I never know how to say it right. <laughs> Question. It's Wales, UK. Wales, UK. All right. Yeah. I thought that was the proper way to say it because I, I don't want to be <laughs> offensive in any way. But I have a brother here today that is a pastor of a church in Wales, UK. This brother is attending Union Theological Seminary in Wales. To me, it's so cool that I get to connect with a brother across the pond and that we have a faith in Christ and a love for Christ and a love for his word. It doesn't matter what location you're in. And I mean, thank God for technology, right? I mean, for us to be able to connect and to be able to have a conversation about Jesus today, to just bless the listeners 
of the Broken Vessels podcast. So my brother today that is with me is Ben Harrison. And Ben, I didn't get a bio from you. Usually I get a bio from everybody and I read it off. But you know what? I'm going to let you give everybody your bio today so that they know who you are, where you're at and what you're doing. And then we'll go ahead and get into this conversation about Jesus in the Psalms. So I must explain the accent first, (laughs) Uh, because I don't sound typically Welsh, and that's because I'm actually from the east of England, about 350 miles away from Wales, completely the other side of the UK. Now, my wife now, we were in a long-distance relationship, and she wasn't moving from Wales. Wales is beautiful. It's uh, it's hilly. It's mountainous. It's green. And it non-stop rains. <laughs> but uh, it's absolutely beautiful here. And so I moved over here just over a decade ago. And, uh, we got married. In fact, we will be married now. Coming up, twelve years. Well, congratulations! Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and we have three children. Myself, I pastor two churches. They're both church plants in West Wales. Uh, West Wales is quite famous for its grounding of the 1904 Welsh Revival. Okay. Yeah, so if you were to, for example, walk down any main street in West Wales, you you will see uh, one or two churches or chapels. Now, unfortunately, uh, usually left empty. But uh, it gives us a bit of an idea of just the rich uh, heritage of the place that we have here. We planted the first church about five years ago, and we planted the new church in the following town in Whitland just after Christmas. Okay, well, that's great. And where are you at in your studies at Union? Are you just in uh, MDiv program, or is it doctoral, or what? what is it that you're doing there? Yeah, as a Master's of Theology, I've been at Union School of Theology now for, well, coming up 10 years. It's been a while, I think. That's uh, a lot of school, man. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one other student that has been there studying longer than what I have, so together we make up the OGs of yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, and a guy that we here at the Broken Vessels podcast and many that I'm connected with, we love is Michael Reeves, who is one of your professors there. And I'm hoping, Lord willing, by God's grace, eventually we can get him on the podcast to talk specifically about his book that just came out recently, uh, Evangelical Pharisees. It's really good. So tell everybody like what you call Mike. It's just kind of funny. Yeah, the, the happy theologian. Yeah, the happy theologian. I love that. <laughs> That's um, wonderful. I seeing him preach and hearing him on podcasts and things like that, and meeting him over dinner in the dinner hall in the, in the cafeteria there, there is no difference. He's as passionate about Christ and speaking the things of Christ over dinner as he is in the pulpit. Amen. It's just wonderful, authentic, wonderful. Yeah, amen. And that's the way we all should be, to be who we are, whether it's talking on a podcast or talking to somebody in person, you know, be real. So 
I wanted you to come on specifically, and this was at the behest of my buddy Brad, because he said, man, this guy would be great to talk about Jesus in the Psalms. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I think that would be great. So I'm going to go ahead and get into kind of the conversation. I'm going to ask you this. Many call the Psalms the prayer book of Jesus. Christ references the Psalms in much of his teaching. How is it that we see Christ in the Psalms rather than ourselves? Or is it really appropriate for us to see ourselves in the Psalms? And I just want to get like your take on that. Wonderful. That's a wonderful question. And what a way to begin. So, really, there's, there's two questions going on there. That is, how is it that we see Christ in the Psalms? And uh, secondly, is it appropriate for us to see ourselves therein also? I think for Calvin, if I, if I am to start with Calvin, for Calvin, he really offers a contribution in this area. And there's a contribution we can often overlook. And the contribution is that Christ himself is the substance of all of Scripture, including the Psalm. Yeah, amen. But he would also want to draw a distinction here between what is the substance, namely Christ as Savior and beautiful and habitable by faith. He would also want to talk about the form of the Psalms or the form of Scripture, the form of the Old Testament. And uh, he speaks about this a lot as part of his theological interpretation of the Psalms in Institutes Book 2 and Institutes Book 4. And this distinction is that belonging to the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, the Old Administration, the Old Glory that was revealed to Moses and upon Moses' estate and was temporary and, and all of these wonderful things. But they actually only go up to make the form of the chart. And that is the shape. That is, we see David, not Jesus in that sense, right. uh, yet incarnated and revealed in person. We see pastures green and we see valleys and a shadow of death. And we see high mountains and low depths and, and all of this wonderful song and poetry, beautiful, actually at the heart of it all. And in fact, Calvin uses a really interesting word. He says, underneath it all, under it all, lies Jesus as Savior. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And so for Calvin, I think he shows us that even when we cannot see Christ uh, ourselves, even when we, we're finding it difficult in the Psalms to go, how does this relate to Jesus? We can be assured that at the very heart of the Psalms and underneath the Psalms is Christ, our Savior to us. That's a wonderful, wonderful realization. Now, different to that, today we often almost fall into a trap of cutting and pasting David's name out and our own in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we perhaps come across that in uh, pastoral duties especially. How do we read the Psalms? Is it a matter of cutting David out and putting ourselves in? Or, on the other hand, it's just as easy and to Calvin a bit of a problem if we were to cut and paste David's name out and put Christ's in. Right. 
then it's not honoring the form of the Psalms. Right, like in Psalm 51, I mean, certainly we would not be cutting and pasting Christ into that because uh, Christ isn't looking to be cleansed with hyssop and made clean. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a wonderful insight. We will actually come on to that especially. I think one of the greatest battles that Calvin had over his interpretation of the Psalms, and I I would want to say a wonderfully rich interpretation of the Psalms, was the fact that he wasn't ready, perhaps like Luther and Hanius and and various other Lutheran scholars of the time, he wasn't readily persuaded to sort of shoehorn Christ into every nook and cranny in the Psalms. Right. And if we understand this distinction between the form and the substance, then you would realize the Calvin, you really didn't need to because Christ was already there Amen. underneath. <laughs> but that wouldn't stop such as Agidius, Hanius, and various others calling Calvin, therefore, a Judaizing Calvin, as though he read the Psalms and he taught on the Psalms Christlessly. Right. That is because he wouldn't almost swap David's name with Christ in the Psalms. Yeah. Um, but if we do down to Psalm 51, of course, Calvin would jump at the fact that the Psalms are predicted. They're prophetic. Yeah. Think of the Savior in wonderful prophetic ways. Actually, here is where we meet a second way that Calvin sees Christ in the Psalms. Now, for Luther, again, a, a wonderfully rich interpretation of the Psalms. In fact, I love reading Luther on the Psalms. Uh, and Calvin would agree with Bucer and actually consider himself a bit of a student of Bucer who took Luther's uh, approach to interpreting the Psalms and Calvin would say, this is a beautiful work. You know, to see Christ um, quite explicitly all over the Psalms is a beautiful work, Calvin would would say of Bucer's work. And so while Calvin was was appreciative of that approach, he realized for himself there were uh, there was perhaps a different, more legitimate for him, a legitimate way of understanding. And that led to the second way of seeing Christ in the Psalms. And that was instead of beginning with David and saying, actually, David is the pre-type of Christ here, Calvin would want to honor the progression of revelation. What does that mean? Well, it means that Calvin wanted to say, no, this says David because it means David. However, David helps us in the Psalms work and walk our way to Christ himself. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. So let me go ahead and read just a little bit from a psalm that, well, it's the very first psalm, Psalm chapter 1. There's a pastor friend and, and a guy that I really respect a lot, and I can remember he preached this in his pulpit several months ago. And he got a lot of flack because of how he showed that Christ is the man in this psalm. And many want to take this psalm and, in a sense, make it law or in a pietistic fashion to Mm. basically make it, this is what you need to do, and if you don't do this, then you're done for. Mm. So Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And I just have to stop there. I would venture to say that both you and me, we don't meditate on God and his law day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, this psalm right here, if you were to apply that to yourself in a fully literal way, without taking any context into the situation, that is scary, very scary. And so talk a little bit about how we can see Christ in this psalm so that there's hope for people when they read things like this. Because a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, they take psalms like this and they apply it in a way that is not proper, that can bring a lot of despair to people. And we don't need despair. We need the hope of the gospel. And that's what we want to hear. So go ahead and talk about that a little bit. That's fantastic. So there's two things going on here. We would look at the man in its original context. And again, to reflect on Calvin is to apply the philological means of interpretation. That is, those means that were prevalent throughout the humanist era of Calvin's day, those means of interpreting the text according to its historical historical context, its literary context, its writer, that is the author, and authorial intent. And therefore, we would want to say, actually, your pastor was it who preached the man here was Christ? It's a pastor that I know that is prominent podcaster that has been a huge blessing, understands the law gospel distinction that we talk about on this program. I've had him on the program, and he got a lot of flack for preaching Christ in this psalm. If, if we are to take it from Calvin's perspective, we are going to want to say that the man in Psalm 1 is the Lord in Psalm 2. And Calvin would see that these are the entrance gates. They belong together for Calvin into the whole of the Psalms. And therefore, who is this Lord but the triune God yes. of whom is revealed in Christ? Amen. Amen. And so I think your pastor, your friend, has followed definitely in the line of Calvin in, in this text interpretation. However, what I would want to say is Calvin is less likely to begin the sermon there. For example, we have Calvin's 22 sermons on Psalm 119, on the Word of God. For, for many interpreters, the Word of God just screams Christ, and they want to remain there. They want to say, hey, let's begin with Christ, let's, let's journey with Christ, and then with Christ. And Calvin wants to say the same thing, but in a different way. Calvin would say, these Psalms, or Psalm 119, and we'll jump back to Psalm 1 and see how this applies. Psalm 119 
is the word of God which produces faith within us. And that faith will always cling to Christ. That faith will always bring Christ to us and make him habitable to us. Yes, yes. But we must understand the psalm in its original context for it to do that, for us to work toward and walk toward by faith that the psalm is creating within us to Christ. And therefore, in his 22 sermons, Calvin would talk about God over a hundred times in each of these sermons and perhaps mention Jesus once, twice, three times, right at the end of the sermon. Right. Because in Calvin, it is honoring the progression of the way God has revealed his name, revealed himself from the Psalms to Christ. But Calvin would also want to say, while we start with God and end with Christ as, as the name of that God, well, what God is there that is unlike Christ? Well, there isn't one. No, there isn't. I was just going to say that as you were talking about how he's talking about God. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, he's talking about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I think about Christ walking on the road to Emmaus and telling the two disciples he's talking to, teaching them from the scriptures from beginning yeah. to end, it was all about me. That's yeah. what it was about. <laughs> and they were like astounded at what he had said. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, Jesus was telling them from the Psalms, Hey, this is me. Hey, this is me. Hey, this is me. <laughs> you know. So, well, brother, let me ask you this. You've already kind of talked a little bit about the historicity or historically how the church at large, Protestant, Catholic, all of it, has seen Christ in the Psalms as opposed to what we see today in evangelicalism. Can you talk a little bit about that? What's the difference? What is the juxtaposition or the distinction between how the church historically from the New Testament on has seen Christ in the Psalms and then like what we're seeing now in preaching and teaching when it comes to the Psalms? There are a few factors to take into consideration here. Firstly, I want to throw my hat in the ring with you and say John 5, 38, 39, Luke 24, 27, uh, that, that Christ is there in the Old Testament. What God do they have unless it is this one who has revealed God? namely the Son of God, revealed as Jesus Christ to us. Um, and even in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 3, we see the Apostle Paul talking about the rock in the desert. Amen. That is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? And so I think that is one legitimate, apostolic, and carrying on into the patristic era, wonderful ways of seeing the early church understand the Psalms. But what develops in the early church, and I'm sure you're probably aware of this, and some of the hearers are aware of this, is a, is a development of the four senses of Scripture, which Donald Fairburn has treated a lot in many of his works. 
Now, the four senses of scripture uh, essentially teaches that there is a natural way of understanding scripture, that is a, a, a sort of a gloss reading, a glossing over the reading. There is a moral way, there is a almost like a widened spiritual sense of the reading, and then there is a Christological sense of the reading. Now, we would see that kind of summed up really in origin. Now, from there, and this is part of what Calvin is fighting against, from that time, throughout the Middle Ages, and even carrying on in Thomas Aquinas, this four senses of scripture was treating of the Psalms and quite literally shoehorning Christ in everywhere. Right. And the, the waters of Psalm 23 were no longer waters, they were Jesus. We can take any of the descriptions from the Psalms, and quite literally, there would be a reading into the Psalms to make that Jesus shaped. Right. And while we can honor the motive, we can say, hey, we understand that Jesus is there, that the Psalms speak of Jesus, that Jesus is the substance, that the Psalms give rise to faith within us to have Jesus. We also need to honor the word and not add or take away from it. Right. Well, and hermeneutics and proper interpretation are very important when coming to the Psalms, because you can go in one of two directions. Again, it's a situation where you can go in one of two ditches. You can either go all the way over to the, it's all Christ category, or you can go all the way into the, it's all us category. And both of those are not on the path. And so many preach and teach the Psalms and not really understanding the context, like you've talked about this, you were talking about authorial intent. I mean, you've been talking about a lot of hermeneutical categories, which any of you that have listened to the podcast, we've defined what hermeneutics is. It's biblical interpretation. And we at the Broken Vessels podcast, when we come to the scriptures and we look at interpreting God's word, we come at it with a law gospel distinction paradigm, and Brother Ben here, he's down with that. He appreciates that. So when people preach and teach the Psalms, not really understanding that context and that law gospel distinction, and they don't take that into account, and they don't do proper interpretation or proper application, my question is this, how have you seen as a pastor and how do you believe that can bring brokenness to believers in Jesus? Yes. My experience, if, if I can recall perhaps something from my own experience of coming to Christ sure. years ago, I came to Christ in a church which was perhaps more Arminian in its setup, in its conviction. And it was the classic saved through faith kept by works. Now, they weren't just any works. They were evangelical works. And of course, um, (laughs) you know, we would all say, hey, we are free from the condemnation and curse of the law. But sometimes, and even through good motives, and we must be careful because we can 
keep evangelical but with senses of piety that really aren't scriptural uh, upon one another. And I know you've had your journey with this, and I too. Now, the two major, if I can call them, evangelical laws that I had thrust upon me as I become a new believer was, number one, to share the gospel with at least one person per day. (laughs) Yeah, so... um, (laughs) So much was that a standard that uh, I remember many times. Midnight, as I I was dozing off, I thought, ah, I haven't yet shared the gospel with anyone. Up out of bed, let's go. Go for a walk. And of course, the only people I would find then were interesting characters at that time. I can imagine if you're going out in the middle of the night trying to witness to people on the streets, that might get kind of interesting. (laughs) It was interesting. In fact, I have some wonderful testimonies from that time. The second one was a daily time in the Psalms. Mm. A daily time in the Psalms. Now, what is interesting is that the pastor of this church felt a conviction. You know, he, he felt this inner sense of ease um, as a retired man. And he was pastoring a church and he had this freedom through the day and he could spend his time in the Psalms a couple of hours a day. But what was a grace for him become a law for the church? Mm. And if you speak to anyone in our congregations over here, I, that's kind of my little saying is let's not make what is a grace to us a law to others. I want to pause you right there. That is a super important point. For my listeners, you go to church and the pastor says, you need to do this or you need to do that because it's something he's doing. He has the freedom to do that and the time to do it. You're working a job eight to five. You may be working a job like I am from six in the morning until almost 7 p.m. at night. And then you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to fit all this stuff in that I have to do to be spiritual? And it is impossible. It's impossible. And like my brother here has just said, I love what you just said. To take something that is a grace to somebody else. Man, dude, I would love to be here in my office podcasting all day long. I would love to be in my office being able to study the Word of God, read every single book that I have on my bookshelf and in my Kindle. I would love that. I don't have that luxury, really, is what it is. And pastors that try to impose that upon you, and we just had our episode last week about spiritual disciplines and about how they make these do's and don'ts and all these things you have to do to be spiritual. That is not what makes you spiritual. It's all done in Christ. All right. Bottom line, it's all done in Jesus. But to impose that kind of thing upon your congregation as a pastor, it is just wrong. It is doing the same thing the Pharisees did to the Jews in the New Testament. It is putting law upon people. It's putting great burdens upon them that they cannot carry. It's not of God. It really is not. So I just want to say that, and I I appreciate that point that you've made here. So continue on. I think the implications that first and foremost 
we see in the family unit. And especially in our day when we have this re-emphasis recently on family worship. And the new emphasis on family worship together can easily become a law. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not only so, but to do so in the Psalms, as though maybe psalmody is the only legitimate form of psalm worship. Yeah, there are certain Presbyterian churches that they won't sing any other song unless it's from the Psalms. And... Mm -hmm. I get that. Certain people have, you know, there's the whole regulative principle versus the normative principle. And that's okay. And that's kind of a intramural debate, so to speak. But man, we got to be real careful about not imposing things that scripture yeah. does not impose upon us. So um, that's my point. I think that psalmody is beautiful. And totally. if we are strictly, you know, if we strictly hold to psalmody, that's wonderful. We can say amen, brother, to both sides of that discussion. Yes. But putting so much weight on that practice is sometimes to make hypocrites mm. and not believers. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Sometimes it can be all about the practice, and we completely miss, again, to talk about substance here, Jesus Christ. Yes. We sing the Psalms a thousand years and still miss Christ. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I want to ask you this. So with everything we've talked about in your studies, your theological knowledge, I mean, it's obvious you do a lot of reading. (laughs) Calvin, Luther, so many others. How do you believe that seeing Christ in the Psalms in, again, in their proper context, we've already talked about that, in their proper context, not shoehorning Christ in where he doesn't belong, but also not seeing Christ where he does belong. How can it help us to bring us hope and healing as broken sinners, to look at the Psalms in a way that helps us. Now, I'm just going to share real quick before you answer this question, how Christ helped me in the Psalms. I've been through a lot of brokenness in my life. I've been through a lot of dark times, and it's always the Psalms that have brought me healing and hope and helped point me to God and that he was there. Man, I went through a time where I could probably quote half (laughs) of the Psalms. I'm not there now, you know, because like as time goes on and you're not like in them when you're in the thick of it, it goes away a little bit. But Psalm 51, Psalm 88, man, Psalm 119, like I prayed Psalm 119 over and over and over again. And I can see where people can look at it and they're like, is this me? As I'm reading this, is this really me? You know, am I the man that is the wicked, that is like chaff, that the wind is going to drive away? And as a believer, you've already put your faith in Christ, but yet you're looking at the Psalms and you're struggling with the law that is in them because there is a law in the Psalms. There is. When you don't have that law gospel distinction paradigm, it's very easy for you to get all jacked up as you're reading the Psalms, which should be bringing you comfort and 
giving you hope in the God who gave us that word. So share with us a little bit about how reading the Psalms and seeing Christ in them can bring us hope. There's two main points that I would want to emphasize, and I emphasize these to those in our families and our congregations who feel like they're in the thick of trouble and depression, loneliness. And number one is the Psalms, the, the nature of the Psalms is to bring you in. Is it appropriate for us to read ourselves into the Psalms? In one sense, yes. Yeah. In the sense that they are a journey with the God who is under them. Amen. Amen. And so, again, to reflect on Calvin, he would talk about the Psalms as almost the anatomy of the affections of the believer, Mm. the anatomy of the emotional life and the spiritual life altogether of the believer. And there is nothing that we will go through as believers that is not encapsulated in the Psalms. And therefore, there is nothing that we'll go through as believers wherein Christ is not underlaid, ready to be there for us. Amen. Amen. Man, dude, that is so good. I love what you said about how reading the Psalms is the journey, really, literally, of the Christian life. It really is. And looking to the Savior who fulfills it for us. That is so good. And brothers and sisters in Christ, it's okay to go to the Psalms and to read those. And to some degree, see yourself in them, but also understand that there's a overarching paradigm of Christ being there for you. But here's another thing. When you go to the Psalms and you're reading them and you're praying them, The law no longer condemns you if you're in Christ. Christ has fulfilled that in your place. Remember that. But man, the struggle in the Psalms. I've written songs. (laughs) I've specifically in very difficult circumstances, I've written and recorded songs according to the Psalms. In fact, many of my listeners know the intro music to this podcast comes from a song that I wrote about a couple of psalms that I kind of mashed together into a song called I Commit My Life. And I'll put that in the show notes for any of you that would be interested to listen. When you are in a place of brokenness, the psalms will bring hope. They will help you. It's like a tether. You understand what I'm saying, right, brother? It's a tether to Christ. As a good friend of the podcast that's been on here and has been such an encouragement to me personally, but Chad Bird, I reached out to him a while back when I was struggling and he said, brother, he said, you know, when I'm struggling, I just pray and I throw the Psalms up to God. That's what I do. And I'm like, man, that is right on. That is right Mm -hmm. on. And that's what we all need to do brothers and sisters in Christ when you're struggling and when you are broken and when you are facing things that you don't understand go to the Psalms pray the Psalms to Christ and to God 
understand who Christ is for you and who God is for you. Ben, I am so thankful that you joined me for this episode today, all the way across the pond. Right now, while we're recording, it's almost noon here at my location. And brother, what is it? Five o'clock there? 430. 430. All right. So it's about 1130 here, but it's been wonderful talking with you, brother. And I'm hoping, Lord willing, we can have some continued collaborations down the road. But if you would like to share with anyone, like if you have like a Facebook handle or Twitter handle or anything you'd like to share, maybe your church's website, any of that, so that people can connect with you and engage with you on these topics, if you'd like to share that now. I'm really not that interesting. So recently... Well, uh, I wouldn't say that, brother, but just go ahead. (laughs) If people are interested in sort of Calvin and his view of the scriptures, of the covenants, of those sort of elements, some of the things that we've been talking about today in my book, The Sacraments, The Gospel to the Eyes, that was a 2022 publication on Amazon, and uh, that will take them through a bit through Calvin and some of the other reformers on the substance form distinction and that way of reading scripture. Okay. And you do have like a couple of like Facebook groups too that you run to, or at least one, right? Yeah. So they would be wider ones from base from our church. There's a wider pool of people on them. One of them is the home church private group. Uh, I say crime, but it's not. You can, by all means, that church. That's the one that you post a lot of videos on, right? The home church one? Yes, I, I do on on the both on the garden church and the home church. Okay. Yeah. So, well, I'll. But you can catch most of that content on uh, your own, the Broken Vessels uh, group as well. I upload the union stuff just to keep everyone up to date on what's going on at Union School of Theology, Mike Reeves. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And we'll get links for those Facebook groups. We'll put those in the show notes. I have actually followed the home church group and he's got a lot of really good videos that he puts on there that are very encouraging, very helpful. And if you're wanting to understand things from a theological perspective, our brother here, he definitely is astute and is able to help you understand those things. So brother Ben, man, This has been great, bro. I'm so thankful that you joined us for the Broken Vessels podcast. And brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus, he's in the Psalms. You're in the Psalms. But understanding the Psalms from a proper context is what's going to help us have healing in who Jesus is for us in the Psalms (laughs) and just in general. And listen, you know, I struggled because obviously I'm a reformed guy and I want to interpret scripture properly. But when I've gone through dark times, it's been hard for me. Am I reading myself into the psalm or am I doing that improperly? But yet I would read the psalms and man, they brought me so much hope and so much encouragement and so much healing. I would tell you this, go to the psalms. Read them, pray them, look to Christ in them. Understand he's there, but so are you, and that's okay. And just don't look at the Psalms 
and the condemnation of the wicked that the psalms mm-hmm. talks against and the enemies of God that the psalm talks against. If you've put your faith in Christ, because that's washed away, it's done, it's finished, Christ has done it for you. Don't fear. Go to the Psalms and look to them for hope and healing in Christ, in the Christ who lived and died and rose again for your justification and is continuing to work in your life for your sanctification. Thank you so much for joining us for the Broken Vessels podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.